I was drifting away on life's pitiless sea when the angry waves threatened my ruin to be. When away at my side there I dimly described a stately old vessel and loudly I cried, Ship Once again, we say welcome aboard. It's good to be with you at this time. Brother Mon speaking. I program here called the Mariner's Call. In the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 15 will be the area we're going to find our text. And about as close as I can get to the coast is verse 21. And it talks about how Jesus went thence and departed the coast of Tyre and Zidon. And then we're going to have to leave the coast and get into our little story here, which I hope will be a blessing to you. Hey, thank you for corresponding with us. A lot of you have done so by way of email. If you would like to touch base with Fisher Munn, it's as close as the computer, just F-O-M-M dot org. F-O-M-M dot period dot org. All right, just one dot, by the way. And if you'd like to write to us, and I like those letters too, if you'll call the station that you're listening to the program from, and uh, I wish you would do that. A lot of times it would be good for just to call the station and tell them you listen to our program. Maybe you don't have to make a comment, but just tell them that you listen. That'll be good. And they'll give you an address whereby you can write to us here at Fishers of Men Ministries here in the port of Bon Secours, uh, Alabama. In the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. We've got an unusual story here. We've got a story that sort of passes... Uh, uh, bypasses dispensational boundaries. The Lord doesn't usually do this. To be able to understand the Word of God, you have to learn how to rightly divide the Word of truth. You know, many people do not even know that there's a difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, that there's a difference between the nation of Israel and the church. And of course, all you have to do is read the Bible through a couple of times and your eyes begin to be open as to, we think about uh, seeing dispensational boundaries and some things that's there that uh, will help you to, well, to, uh, to have good Bible doctrine, uh, first of all. In the Old Testament, you have the Sabbath. In the New Testament, you have the first day of the week. It's just, uh, you know, you just have to know your Bible. People talk to me from time to time, and they disagree. And, and uh, when they talk, it just you can just tell how that they... They've spent their time just in one particular area studying one little facet, and they don't understand the Bible in its entirety. I like it from Genesis to Revelation. Read it over and over and over and over again, and God will bless. But our little story here, the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 15. We have our Lord now. It's close to the coast of Tyre and Zidon. And there's a woman that approaches him, and she has a question. And we have it here in verse 22, Matthew 15, 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast, all right, the coast of Tyre and Sidon. She's also called in Mark chapter 7, a Syrophoenician. She's of mixed uh, nationality. She's of Hamitic stock, a Syrophoenician. A, uh, she has uh, uh, Syrian and Phoenician in her. She's also called in Mark chapter 7, a Greek, because 
All this is area of the Roman Empire uh, that's there. All right, uh, this woman now approaches the Lord. She is a Gentile then. She's not an Orthodox Jew. And, of course, Jews' response to people like that is they just don't fool with them. Uh, Jewish people were very biased and clannish and closed. She approaches the Lord, and we have now a request in verse 22, and let's see if we can get into our message. Verse 22, And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. This is a very simple request. Have mercy. Her daughter is vexed with the devil. How does she know this? This woman is not a believer. This woman does not know uh, the true God that we think about of the Jews. But yet, she seems to recognize the works of the devil. You know, isn't it something how sometimes people who do not know about God, they have not, we think about uh, Christ as being their Savior. They know nothing of that. But yet, sometimes they can recognize the works of Satan. I've seen it sometimes even more so than believers. Here's a lost person. She says, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Grievously vexed. Painfully, what? Uh, irritated, troubled, in extreme anguish. You know. She comes to the Lord and said, please. All right. Her request now is to the right person. All right. Now, she's bringing this request to the one of the magistrates of her city, Correct. Nope. <laughs> she brings it maybe to the head of maybe one of the heads uh, of her religion. Uh, no. Uh, she is bringing this request to maybe some of the great religious scholars of Jerusalem. As they say in Germany, nine. <laughs> no. She comes to the right person, and the right person is Jesus Christ. She comes the right way. She said, O Lord, thou son of David. In other words, she's addressing him properly. You understand? She has a good request. The request is not for herself. The request is for her daughter. She is showing, showing love for her daughter. All right? We think about today. Yes, the devil is at work today. The devil was at work back in the days of the Savior. We think about the devil uh, still. We think about our children, our grandchildren. We think about a people that we know here across the face of this earth, still people today, grievously vexed with the devil. Is there any hope? All right. She asks, here is the request. Lord, have mercy. All right. The response of the Lord, verse 23. But he answered her not a word. Uh-oh. What? Let's read it again. But he answered her not a word. I friend, that's rude. Rude not to answer. But more so, reading in between the lines, this is a cultural thing. I've been into some of the areas of the world, and uh, we'll just throw one out here, some areas of Europe. And I've addressed people. A lot of times it's just passing by people as far as an airport is concerned, maybe asking for directions, asking for help. And in some areas of Europe, and I said, sir, or ma'am, so-and-so, and they looked at me, and uh, they just passed me on. They looked at me and just asked me basically just, you know, I don't have time for you. They just didn't say anything, you know. Oh, just being rude and crude, but a lot of times it's just, you know, it's a cultural thing. The disciples get tired of her being around, verse 23, but he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. Lord, could you get rid of her? We, we just, we'd fed up with her whimpering and crying, and she said this over and over again, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on me. They're just tired of her being around. All right, verse 24. It says, but he answered and said, 
I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Not only does he not answer her, but my friend, he begins to argue against even fooling with her at all. I can't help you, woman. I do not even fool with your kind. Do you understand? What, 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 what do you mean? He is sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That then will help me understand when he sent his disciples out in Matthew chapter 10. He says, go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans. Enter ye not. Don't fool with the Gentiles, but rather unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. All right. Uh, we think about uh, there's dispensational truth here. All right. He not only does not answer her, but when he does answer, he says, lady, I can't fool with you. I don't have time with you. I'm not sent to even fool with you at all. This should have discouraged her to the point of just leaving. All right. What does she do? Verse 25. She asked again. It says, then came she and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. All right. The companion account in Mark chapter 7 it talks about how, her, how she falls on her knees. Lord, help me. Please, would you help me? Please, would you help me, Lord? And then our Lord says something so offensive and let me read it for you. It says in verse 26, after she says, help, help. But he answers and said, it is not meat to take the children's bread to cast it to dogs. Oh, my. Oh, uh, he's saying something like this. He said, my people are sheep. <laughs> Your people are dogs. And I'm not going to spend my time with dogs, nor am I going to speak to dogs. This should have been so offensive. He calls her a Gentile female dog. This shows her utter unfitness. I guess if it had been me, I guess I'd got on my cell phone and I'd call my attorney right there on the spot. I got my rights. Is that right? I am not a dog. I'm an honest, sincere, compassionate, loving mother. Don't criticize me. But she doesn't call her attorney. And you said, what happens? She now has no hope. There is no help. The odds are against her getting anything from Jesus Christ. What is her response? She walks off mad and leaves. No. All right, the old King James here. Matthew chapter 15, verse 27. Jesus said, now once again, it's not, it's not meat to take the children's bread to cast it to dogs. And she said, all right, something we all must say sooner or later. Something Christians need to say every day, by the way. She says, truth. That's true. Accepting truth as to her position in life brings some hope. Her faith is tested to the maximum. And she said, dogs, that's right. Our people are dogs. We're worth no more than just a bunch of dogs, yet we walk the Jewish streets. But see, they get something. If we can't be a sheep and get some bread, can we be a dog and get some crumbs? My, oh, my. Jesus backs off from that. And he just says something like this. He said, woman, he said, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. God gives her the desires of her heart. This woman's got faith. She's got guts, uh, intestinal fortitude. She has courage. She has persistence. And my friend, for that being true, her daughter now is healed immediately. Now, what lesson is in there for me? Just a story back in the Old Testament here. Well, there's a lesson in prayer. 
Sometimes we get turned down in prayer, but God's just seeing if we're earnest. Sometimes we're, we get turned down, but it just shows our helplessness. Without the divine intervention of God, there's no hope for us. Sometimes a refusal is not always permanent. Sometimes just continuing in truth gets an answer. There's a lesson dispensationally for us here. It seems as if now there might be a gleam of light to show help for the Gentiles. Now, I might understand John chapter 1 a little better. It says he came into his own, verse 11. He came into his own, and his own received him not. Then in verse 12, but as many as received him, now that's me, but as many as received he, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. If ever there was a person in the Bible, we use the old idiom, you're a lucky dog. This woman, my friend, gets an answer from God where it is dispensationally impossible for her to get an answer. As far as a daughter is concerned, her daughter's a little lucky devil. <laughs> Have you ever heard that said? We think about lucky dog. Why just this dog thing? There's something about this. We think about the negative as far as a dog, you know. Call off the dogs. Dirty dog. It's a dog's life. A dog tired, you know. Gone to the dogs. In the dog house. Lies like a dog. Works like a dog. Dog days. You sorry hound. <laughs> just These idioms are just everywhere. And all it comes just from the Bible here. Now that I'm saved. An old saved Gentile, I can say, thank God I'm a lucky dog, and that word lucky, that's not the word I want to use. Uh, it's just a way to express my thoughts. The grace of God has reached even me. Thank you for listening. If we can help you, uh, next week we'll be with you. Same time. God bless and goodbye.